Welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikkel Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. Hey guys, we're glad you're joining us. We have a new medium that we're um, experiencing. It's called video. <laughs> we might need to go slower and explain it to the other folk. <laughs> we're a little late to the bandwagon, but uh... all of our podcasts have just been audio only, and so we decided to do the video so people yeah. can see us and interact. And this is really just like a, a try, a try episode, a try, right? <laughs> we're not committing. Because the thing is, every time I record an episode, I'm in my jammas. And as you can see now, I have a full face of makeup on. And I just don't know that I can commit to that every single week. I feel like that's a lot to ask. I think they would appreciate a pajama episode. Okay, but maybe just like my very first one, I should do my best foot forward with makeup on, you know? But okay, take a good look because it's not going to last forever. And the rest is going to be my pajamas. Per huge. Well, uh, we do have an important topic today, but before we do that, let's do our meme of the week. Okay. The other disadvantage is now when we look up and down to notes and things that everyone can see us doing that. But okay. The podcast at, or the meme of the week comes to us from me and my bipolar life. My bipolar mood swings reminding me about my sleep schedule that I neglect. You know the rules and so do I. Important. always so true and every time we try to circumvent the rules they come back and bite us in the butt because they know the rules and so do we not to be ignored well good um also we have an update we have we uh, leonora our puppy turned to leonora the bipolar puppy the bipolar on her tiktok account <laughs> turned two years old um july 7th yeah so my dad this morning at breakfast was like so Leonora is 14. I'm like, no, she's two. And he's like, no, she's 14, you know, in dog years. I'm like, 14-year-olds are stinky. And she's still adorable. So she's obviously only two. She can't possibly be 14. So but yeah, so we had a ridiculous birthday party for our dog. And she didn't even know it was her birthday. We drove, we did all of Leonora's favorite things. So she got to go for a ride in the morning to pick me up at the gym. Like usually we'll ride together. But uh, you, we drove, you dropped me off. And then you came to pick me up so that she could go for a car ride in the morning. And she has like her little face like, with her ears flapped in the wind. It's so adorable when she comes to pick me up, play catch. Uh, took her for a ridey ride, we call them. And she did spinnies all over when she gets so excited. We went and picked up cupcakes for her. We invited my whole family over and our kids, like our whole family over for a birthday celebration and her cousin, puppy, puppy cousin, puppy cousin, uh, puppy cousin Finn. And we had birthday crafts for the dog with the little paw prints that go in the cement. We actually didn't complete it, but A for effort. We had puppy crafts and she has a little sparkly birthday crown. It's absurd. <laughs> it's so absurd. But honestly, it was like a super fun distraction. And her birthday bone. Oh, this, yeah. Was like it, a happy birthday, like a cake. Yeah. A little, but it's puppy. It was like a cookie. Yeah. Consistency. Like puppy birthday treats not people birthday treats we had the cupcakes for people birthday treats yes because we didn't want the puppy birthday treat grown bone the happy birthday bone from the pet store that she shared with them yeah her puppy custom who i i'm pretty sure that's the right way we say it so 
So, yes, that's the big exciting news. Also, uh, it is your birthday today. It is my birthday. That's why I was at breakfast with my dad. <laughs> my parents. So, big news, Leonora. Oh, my second birthday. <laughs> Although, I'm 50. Oh, wait. Is it backwards? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the mirroring situation is going to look like <laughs> on video. <laughs> but, yeah, a big exciting birthday for myself as well. Yes. So. so, lots of things going on. Uh, today we wanted to talk about, um, it actually was a study that I found done by the CDC um, that prompted this discussion. But let me just read a little bit about what they did. Centers for Disease Control. They did a report about teenagers' mental health. Uh, and it showed persistent sadness and hopelessness. There's a trend among teenagers uh, for persistent sadness and hopelessness. Declines in overall mental health and a rise in suicidal thoughts. This is not a surprise. No. Like, we know this. Right. The thing that was interesting to me, though, is further on in the study. Oh. I'm sure you're getting that. <laughs> so they quoted a 17-year-old girl who said that her generation has confidence to speak up on these subjects if adults are willing to hear their voices. And that was a big if. And... She said, some adults are really open to those kinds of conversations, but most adults sort of make you feel like you're just another teenager complaining about insignificant issues when there are more important things to worry about. That's how the, the adults make them feel when they open up and talk about their mental health or their struggles. Um, says, it's just frustrating how we rarely ever, we are rarely ever taken seriously when it comes to issues we care about. So, and that's sad. Yeah, we've had so many discussions about parents and kids because like if, if if this is your first time tuning in to our podcast, the Thriving with Mental Illness podcast, we have almost 100 episodes, but um, I live with bipolar disorder diagnosed years and years and years ago, but we also have two kids who have significant mental illness issues as well. One's married, one's single, but we went through the whole teen years with them. So we have a lot of episodes where we interview them and they come on and give us their two cents. Um some of the things we did well, they share all the things we didn't do well, which frankly were many. So. <laughs> but that's fine. Like, how else are we going to learn if we don't listen and understand like where we went wrong and how to do better next time? So that's what the whole thing is. So I, I do think it's it's incredibly helpful. And there's a lot of really good insights that the kids both gave us when um, we've had them on at different times and conversations we've just had with them different times. We've talked about this before, but as parents, a lot of times we're just we're ready to give dispense advice, right? We've lived so many years. We feel like we've made so many mistakes that we know the right answers to all of our kids' problems. And that can be a, a problem for many reasons. Um, but I think what we realize when we stepped in it multiple times by dispensing advice. <laughs> Deep and stinky, stepped in it. <laughs> we started learning to ask questions and then just listening. And it's really hard. I can testify this as a parent. It's really hard to not jump in and immediately give your, I got this. I know this. I know Here, you here's my advice. Oh, I, I, this is really good. Let me give you some great parenting advice. I know that. I, sure. <laughs> so why don't you share some uh, questions that you've used just to. to with. With the kids to get them talking or, or like that. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I just want to throw in here, we might be addressing this later, but when kids do open up and talk to us, we need to be careful not to react. Even if the thing is like, 
Yeah. Like we can't make that face. And I joke all the time, like my face won't be quiet. My mouth is really good at being quiet and like keeping my words and thoughts to myself. <laughs> my face just says it all loud and proud and will not shut up. So that's my challenge. It's going to be actually really hard on video for to like keep my face because I'm always like. <laughs> Need to get the poker like face. I do. Lady Gaga. So yeah. Um, the biggest things for me is anytime the kids bring things up, um, and we're, we're getting better at it over the years. Obviously we're never going to be perfect. Um, we do try really hard to do it though, is when they bring things up to just like not respond, like not answer, just nod. So they know you're listening and engaged, but I'm not jumping in with the answer. Right. So you're just like, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm. Cause the other thing I noticed is as soon as I jump in, they're done talking. Talking stops. Yeah. There's no more information coming. And the longer you can be quiet, the more information that comes. And I think it's especially hard with mental illness stuff. We have a huge advantage, I think, over most parents because I've lived with my, I have a bipolar type two diagnosis. I've lived with it for over 20 years, right? I had suicide attempt. We've kind of gone through the thick of it ourselves. And just because I understand a little bit more, it's, I think it's easier for me because I know what it feels like from the inside. So when the kids have come to me and had, you know, big issues or challenges or problems or things that weren't making sense, because I know that mental illness sometimes just doesn't make sense and it just doesn't. So you can't like, well, explain to me, well, how do we fix this? Well, what do you mean? Like, I don't know. I'm not okay. Right. I don't know. Yeah. And so I think it's frustrating sometimes when we're so badly trying to get the answer and solve when really they just need to talk. And sometimes the more they talk and the more you ask, you know, like, tell me about that. Or what do you mean? Or, um, it, it just can't be patronizing or condescending in any way. I like the idea of like, help me to understand or explain it a little bit more, more than like, it, I don't know. There's some ways you can say that that would be patronizing that would kind of shut the conversation down. Yeah. And I guess it could be different for every person, but like keep your voice inflections in check. Like all of those things We're there to listen and believe it or not, our kids really do know what they need, which was kind of shocking to us. Um, and, and really people should go back and listen to some of those episodes, especially with Sam, because Sam went a very non-traditional route where he ended up dropping out of high school and getting a GED. Both of us are college graduates, highly educated. Um, and that was terrifying for us as parents to think, oh my gosh, it's going to be a bum in our basement. Well, we're in Arizona, so there's no basement. No, a bum in our upstairs for the rest of our, you know, the rest of his life. And it's not the case at all. He just needed a minute to stabilize and he's doing so well now. But I think it's important for people to go back and listen to some of these episodes because sometimes parents are like, what do you mean don't respond? Well, why don't make him do anything? Well, what do you mean this? And parents freak out. Like, I get it. But the second we freak out is the second they stop talking and they will not come back and keep talking to us. And some of these mental, like this is life and death. This can be life and death, especially when suicide numbers are rampant, when the mental illness experiences, the depression, the anxiety, there's so many very real things that we may or may not have experienced when we were teens. Like things are different now. And so more than anything, we have to be a safe place for our kids to come to. We have to be people who are going to listen to their words and carefully measure and articulate before we tell them why they should or shouldn't be doing or thinking or feeling something. Like, we don't know what they should or shouldn't be doing. We need to be listening with our ears. Yeah. Right? (laughs) This article, they had a couple of suggested questions. They said, we can say something like, can you tell me more about what's happening? Mm -hmm. You know, because if you can sense something's not uh, something's a little off. Something's not right. You tell me a little bit more what's happening and the uh, how are you feeling? You know, I mean, that's always a good one. 
Um, have you had feelings like this in the past? So if they start opening up and say, it's really hard, I feel overwhelmed, I can't do anything, I don't have any motivation, you say, well, has, have you felt like this in the past? Or is this new? I mean, that might help you. And if your child says, it's been like this for years, then, you know, that's different than if it's the first right. time. Still- if they've been feeling it for a long time, address something now, do something different now. And if they've been feeling like that for a long time, also that means they haven't been telling you that for a long time. Or if they've been telling you that, you haven't been listening. So it's very important if this is a long-term problem that you sit down and say, okay, let's work together. I'm on your side. Let's figure out what will help you. Um, whatever that thing is, even if it's scary as a parent, yeah. like Sam dropping out of school was very scary. So, Well, and my advice based on problems I've created in the past. <laughs> Not problems I've solved, <laughs> problems I've created. <laughs> but just keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. Before you jump in, like I said, my mm-hmm. problem has been I jump in too soon. And as soon as I jump in with my fix or my solution, yeah. it typically shuts down the conversation and we're done. You know, it's like, and then there's no more problem solving. Yeah. You can't open up the conversation again, or sometimes it's hard. I've had a hard time opening up, you know, the same type of conversation once I jumped in. So, yeah, I do best. think a rule of thumb, a good rule of thumb and something that I try to do a lot is. Sometimes with conversations with the kids, especially through some of those trickier years, I tried to only ask questions. Right. It was very conscious to only ask questions. And that was another thing that was really hard. And Or maybe save your advice for a different conversation. Yeah, yeah. Because some advice, and sometimes, in all honesty, you're probably going to want to chew on it for a minute and think about it because you might need your response to be a little bit more measured too. Yeah. We did learn that as well. Well, and, and so this article talked about five things we can do to improve our conversations with our kids. So we Mm -hmm. thought we'd talk about those. Uh, The first thing you talk about is reflect on your own state of mind first, like to have good conversation with your kids. You don't want to do it when you're agitated, when you don't have time, when you're stressed out, when like, you're just not in the, in the right frame of mind to listen patient. See, and kids know this, right? It's like when they would ask for sleepovers you wait till your mom's in a really, really, really good mood. And then you ask, like, even if you have to wait two or three days, right? Never ask when they're mad. Like, it's the same thing. It's same, reverse. Yeah, it's the reverse. It's the same thing for us. We need to make sure we're in a good mood, but they also need to be in a good mood. We both have to be in a good mood. That's true. Uh-huh. That's true. We've tried to have conversations when they're not in the right frame of mind. And... Or we're not. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes the kids come to me and Ella's really good now. She'll be like, mom, hey, I want to talk to you about this. Is this a good time or you want to do it? at a different time. And sometimes I'll have to be like, you know what? I'm really emotionally spent. I cannot have this conversation right now, but thank you for bringing it up. Let's do it tomorrow. Whatever. Yeah. I've also stepped in this one and tried to force a conversation with good and hard things. Good and thick. (laughs) Good and deep. Your step lessons. (laughs) And so, yeah, you can trust me or you could try it out yourself and step in it. Either way. Either way is fine. Um, But I think we'll go better if, you're in a good frame of mind and they're in a good frame of mind. True. True so, all right. Number two, okay. adopt an attitude of acceptance, genuineness, and empathy. Um, talks about respecting the other person's feelings, their values, and their, and their experiences as valid, even if they're different from your own. I think that's the hard part. Yeah. That is where, as parents, a lot of times we're kind of like, 
my when I was a teenager, blah blah blah. I went right. uphill two ways to school, blah blah blah. I didn't cry, baby, when I was sad. I'm like, okay, calm down, <laughs> tiger. Like, listen to your kids' words. It's a different world now, and especially with mental illness stuff. Thank heavens, it's more open. We can have conversations about it. We can really get help because there is no need to suffer in silence. And if our kids are willing to talk to us, please, please, please let us listen. And being empathetic, and I think that goes along with it, kind of put yourself in their shoes. And so many times, you know, we just, we, we think about how we would handle mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh, this is how I do. When I'm feeling down, I go for a run or I go work out or, you know, I do this, I do that. And you just start wanting to give them advice as if they're you, but they're not. They're And different things work for different people. Yeah. Like some, it is interesting like with the kids. So we have three kids. Um, our oldest, uh, deals with like ADD a little bit and the other two like severely smacked in the very severe mental illness camps. Right. The oldest one is like a little more unscathed, which we're pleased with. Good for him. So, but, but um, when he would get stressed, cause he would always have a lot going on and when he would get stressed and have a lot, my advice was always like, Oh my gosh, take the afternoon off, cancel everything, get in your sweats, lay down, watch a movie, eat a snack, like just relax. And it wasn't until I don't know, like a year or two later, it's like, mom, every time you tell me that it stresses me out more because when I don't get my stuff done, I feel worse. But the younger kids and me had to stop. Like when we're stressed out, like we got to take a solid time out, like time, time out. Everything needs to be canceled. And so it was interesting to me to realize the same, the same timeouts don't work the same for Mm -hmm. other people. Right. Well, I was just reading this book and it was talking about you know, reducing stress in your life. And, and they said, you know, the, the thing that stresses you out the most, just go do that thing. Like immediately do it. And the faster okay. you do it, then the faster your stress goes away. So just talking about, or you just get it off because you don't do it. Yeah, like, there are two ways to solve this problem. Boo. I don't know what book you read. So boo. <laughs> but I guess the point is there are many different ways and we shouldn't just expect because something works for us that it's the right advice. Well, and that was another thing that was actually really surprising when we realized our kids knew the answers to what was good for them. And that's when we kind of started reversing instead of saying, this is what I think you should do. I think this would really help you to saying like, what is it that you need? What do you think you need to do? And how can I help you do that thing? Whatever it is. So again, opposite for the other kids. Like one of them was like helping him get to his stuff and get it all done. The other one, it was like taking it off the plate and, you know, removing responsibilities. So it was opposite, but they knew. Well, and it talks about um, treating their feelings and experiences as valid, even if we don't understand. And I think that's, you know, back way back when you're in the middle of the the heaviness of bipolar Mm -hmm. um, and you would, tell me things and I would see things, but I couldn't relate because I didn't feel those same feelings. I didn't know what it was like where you can't get off the couch. Well, you just get off, off the couch. I'm not sure. I I don't have no. Those were happy years between us. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, I think the turning point was when I just realized, you know, I know you and I know that whatever you're experiencing is valid. Even if I don't understand it, I know it is it's valid and it's real what you're experiencing. It's not made up in your head. And I think as soon as we realize our kids go through things and they're real and they're valid. Mm-hmm. And so we don't and just sweep them under the rug. Head. 
right so to speak no they're you're, you're making things, things up. yeah things are different and when we treat them in any kind of patronizing way or disbelieve or discount or whatever it is that that we're doing like not listening to their words it's really important to do that to your kids because then they know you're a safe place number three they talked about use verbal skills to show that you're listening um we talk about asking questions mm-hmm. listening to the tone of voice and verbal and nonverbal cues that they're using so like when they're doing this <laughs> yeah, that means be quiet mom i don't want to listen to what you're saying that's how you know you stepped in it that's how you know and <laughs> retract <laughs> or if they suddenly just shut down yeah you know that you stepped in it there are several several that you stepped in it yeah. yes mm-hmm. it says using minimal prompts like i see and ah oh, yeah and not interrupting and i think that's the hard part uh and you go Oh yeah, that happened to me once too. Or um, really? So why? You know, you think that you're trying to help the conversation along, but just looking at them and nodding. You know, what? I feel like a enough. lot can happen when you're silent just a little bit too long. Right. Because then they feel it. Right. Right. Well, they feel like they need to fill it. With, right. Well, like you're expecting them to fill it. It's like my negotiation tactic. Right. <laughs> I shop or go make big purchases like I went and bought a car by myself and it makes me feel big but one of the biggest one of my biggest tactics that I do is you just stop and look just a little bit too long so then when they're like so how do you feel about the price of this car and then I just sit and I'm like don't respond to where it's uncomfortable and I'm not like I'm not even thinking of things I'm gonna say I literally am just like and then they start negotiating with themselves well, we probably could do this, 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 and this. So what do you think about that? You said, it, like, you you don't have to have a mean face, but you don't have a pleasant face. You can't be like, <laughs> no, it's got to be like, like hmm. 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 I've gotten some pretty great deals from people negotiating against themselves the whole, just, while I just sit. And, by being quiet. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing with kids. Yes. Right? If you just sit and you're quiet and you let the silence go on a little bit longer, they're the ones that are going to fill it. And that's what we want. More more and more more information. So, and that for anybody who has teenagers, information is valuable and it's really, really hard to get. I don't know. Maybe you have kids that just talk, talk, and talk. Depends. We've got some of both. We have some of both. (laughs) But some of ours, any little bits of information. Some of ours, not naming names. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a little bit harder to learn secrets to their, their language. So true. And now, now we get a lot more information because we're better at listening and extracting it. So number four, maintain positive body language when you're talking to your <laughs> child. Show the person That's like that, the face that has to be quiet. You gotta you can't be like practice in the mirror. To, oh my gosh. Okay. So when the kids were away at college, they would FaceTime and I literally would have to like take my face off of, <laughs> because my I knew I was making a face. So I would have to like turn away from the phone for a little while and then come back. And I don't think they ever knew that except then I shared it on a podcast episode. And ever, ever since then, anytime I'm like off the screen and like needing a second to compose, they're always like, mom, what's going on with your face? Mom, mom, why are you off the screen? What's your face saying? (laughs) I gave away my own best parenting. Yeah. And now everybody knows when I'm like, "Uh, uh," but I'm trying to not react to what you said. So. Don't give away the secret. Say maintain comfortable eye contact. Mm-hmm. Sitting down instead of standing. I guess it's less 
threatening or intimidating or something. <laughs> it's a lot meaner than. Well, since sitting alongside of them, sort of okay, like we are, like instead of being on the opposite end of the table, the interrogator focused on each other. Yeah, makes sense. They're getting grilled. Okay. I know. Anytime I do one-on-ones with the kids, like just when they were in school, I just want to sit down and talk. They think that I was like, interrogating them. They were always so they afraid. They're it. like, Ted, what's the tower? Talk to me about it. I'm like, um, to see if you're okay. So like, just tell them I am. <laughs> That's because when I talk to the kids, we don't talk. We just go sit in the car and like blast music and drive around. Yes. Another secret. That's the other thing is I think I, I tried to schedule it. You did. It was on the calendar. And then so they would like have anxiety for a full week ahead right. of that. <laughs> it always has to be like out of impromptu. Well, yeah. impromptu or like sneak attacks. Right. What are you doing right now? You want to go get a drink? And then you drive around for like an hour and yes. then you sit and you can talk and turn on the music. And stuff. Don't say, hey, on Sunday at 1 p.m., would you like to talk? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> okay. So body language. Um, yeah, open body position. Don't don't fold your arms and scowl at them. Just, like that? Yeah, just make them feel like, oh, you're open and front. Yeah, okay. Uh, the last one was recognize cultural differences. Mm-hmm. And this one like teenager, like, adult cultural differences? Like what yes. are we talking about? So, you know, I was just thinking about uh, the differences between Gen X and Gen Z. Okay. Which we are Gen X. Okay. And our kids are Gen Z. And, um, you know, this says, if you're helping someone from a different cultural background or generation, I would say, uh, you might need to adjust some verbal and nonverbal. <laughs> <laughs> Be prepared to discuss what is culturally appropriate <laughs> okay. and realistic for the person or seek advice from someone from the same cultural <laughs> background. <laughs> Same generation. Okay, do we have examples of this? Because um, I feel like that could be very beneficial for us. <laughs> so, well, and I guess what? And they're hilarious. The, the problem <laughs> is they're very funny. You know, the differences between Gen X and Gen Z. And so on TikTok or whatever, people post, you know, people of our generation will post things about their perspective of Gen Z. And, and I think Gen Z will do that as well on Gen X. And it's kind of like this, you know, badgering back and forth. And, you know, I think it's in good faith, but I mean, in good humor, but um, everybody's just trying to, I don't know, you have to really appreciate the other side. Yeah, it has to be in good humor and not because you genuinely think they're idiots. And I think a lot of times, sometimes uh, we can approach our teens or younger people and just think they're idiots, right? And like, oh my gosh, you don't even know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. You know what I did think of a really um, small but funny example of like the Gen X versus Gen Z, yeah. like the texting situation. Uh-huh. I used to text in full sentences with like- I still do. Periods and exclamation marks <laughs> until Ella informed me, she's our youngest. She's like, mom, that is so rude. You cannot put a period on the end of your text. I'm like, it's a sentence. Periods go on the end of sentences. She's like, no, that's so rude, mom. It's so rude. And then she gave me all these examples and I kind of watched and I realized, oh, like <laughs> that's how it's taken. Like whether, whether you intend it that way or not, like, that's how it right. reads it for text. And we're not the texting generation, right? No. They know better than we do on the etiquette rules of texting. And it's so. funny. I still use full words and 
I punctuate. My dad signs his, <laughs> signed DCW, which is my dad's, <laughs> like, dad, your contact is in my phone. Like, literally, the only person that this text could come from is you, because it's you. your contact. Dear. DCW. Your father, yeah, DCW, your father. is what he said. Yeah. <laughs> So, but I, I uh, wrote down a few things that I, I found online about what Gen X thinks about Gen Z. Oh, good. Okay. So th uh, they're desperate for attention. Actually, this one makes me mad. That's not even a funny one. It makes me really, really mad. And I think because tying it back into the whole mental illness thing mm -hmm. is I have heard, and again, referring back to, I have a suicide attempt, right? So I'm a survivor. Awesome. We love that. But I hear sometimes when somebody brings up suicide, there's a lot of times there will be the the idea of like, oh, are they just looking for attention? Right. And it infuriates like, me. Yes. Pro tip, never say Do that not, ever. The thing is, the thing is, I like it's going on in your head for so long before you say anything. And so even if it's shared in kind of a lighthearted way, it could just be testing the waters, right? If if your kid says that to you, if a friend, if a friend's kid, you know, whoever says that to you and like, even if it's a joking manner, never, never, never take it lightly. Those are things that you follow up immediately on and seriously. And you say, wait a sec, you just brought that up. Tell me what you mean by that. Like, what's going on? Like, are you feeling okay? Are you doing okay? Like what brought that up? But there needs to be some sincere questions and not, they're just trying to get attention. And that I think is very, very, very damaging. And it infuriates me. So sort of like at the airport, if you see me off at you <laughs> at the airport. You don't want to joke around with TSA about having a bomb in your, in your bag. Yeah. Did you do that? It's not funny. No. <laughs> <laughs> but there are just some things that you yeah. don't joke about and mm -hmm. the other side will take very seriously. And it's gotta be at that level that we need to, Never sweep anything like that under the rug. Never pretend like, oh, it's super lighthearted. I'm sure they meant nothing. Now, they might even mean if, nothing. Even if it was nothing, but right. you have to clarify that. You cannot dismiss that one. You have to be like, wait a sec. Wait a sec. Let's just talk about that for a quick sec. And it doesn't have to be serious. It doesn't have to be like, so I hear that you brought that up. Right. What are What are you thinking? Is it something we'd be concerned about? Like, so annoying to me when people approach me like that yeah. when I'm not doing well. Cause I still have cycles. I'm always, always, always managing my bipolar. I will for the rest of my life, but it's super annoying when people are like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? Like, oh, no, I'm not. But frankly, now I don't want to talk to you about it. So, so yeah, just start at level one, which is just a follow up. It's like, wait a second. And then they can maybe say, Oh, actually I was just making a joke. I'm like, okay, just so you know, though, if you are ever serious about something like that, you can talk to me. I'm definitely somebody who wants to listen if you're needing to share something like that. So just yeah. make sure they know it's a safe place. Even if it was a joke, we can't treat it like that. We have to follow up and let them know if you are ever serious, come and let us know. And maybe they will circle back and say, actually, I'm not doing okay. But again, it's the testing the waters thing. So and that's one of the problems. If we have this belief that Gen Z uh, is always desperate for attention, you can see how this could cloud our ability to hear and listen and so I think that's what we're talking about. Some of these things that we label as Gen Z, we need to get rid of them. I mean, they're funny. If you want to laugh, that's great. But it's just you can't have those and have productive conversations with Gen Z. Yeah, I don't even think that one's funny. But that's because it's a hot button. So <laughs> like, uh, wait, you never took about my weight. Never. never. I'll beat you up. I will. I ain't, I ain't afraid of it. Some other ones, they always make bogus claims. <laughs> 
they buy into trends, you know? Um, I mean, we did. We, we, I don't know what's different about Gen Z doing that than Gen Xers did the same thing. I mean, those wall bangs and like the double socks over the top of your sweats. Yeah. Did you do that one? No. Probably because you weren't trendy. No. <laughs> super trendy. <laughs> uh, they're entitled. They always have something to complain about. You know, and so if you think Gen Z just complains about everything. And then when they start, you know, complaining about serious issues and you're like, ah, oh, you're Gen Z. You know, you're always complaining about something. Everything's got to, you know, mm -hmm. life is always hard, you know, and the, you can see how this is just going to be problematic. And then it turns into patronizing stories about in my day. Right. <laughs> in my day. And one of them is they can turn small problems into big ones. Um, and if you think that, if you're like, this is a small thing that they're dealing with, and now they're talking about suicide. Well, again, That's... because it's like when I was trying to explain to you, because we had yeah. a lot of conversations before my suicide attempt happened. Yeah. And I thought I was being very, very clear that I am not okay. Right. I'm not okay. And you weren't hearing it because you're like, right. well, it's not that big of a deal. And I remember even the week of telling you, we, things are going too fast. We have three little kids. Things have to slow down. I need a break. And this was Tuesday. And you told me, okay, we can get a break. Once we get to Saturday, and then we'll start canceling some things. Yeah. Nope, attempt happened the next day. And I had asked for help and told you I needed to stop. So I think yeah. it's just really important. I, and that's why when when kids say things like that, my initial reaction is immediately stop and say, what needs to change this very second? Because I know how fast that can happen. And I knew I wasn't doing okay, but I did not think that I was there. Yeah. If that makes sense. And so I know it sounds odd, but it kind of surprised me even that my attempt happened right then. Cause I kind of thought, Oh, I've got a little more reserve in the tank. Like I think I can manage and I could not, I, I could not. So. Well, the last one I found is that a lot of Gen X think that Gen Z doesn't know how to do hard things. Um, and if that's your belief, you're just like, you just need to suck it up. It's you just need a different tough kind of hard things. Right. Right. So yeah, we don't work on the farm or, or they don't. I mean, we didn't either. <laughs> we didn't, but I definitely work in the yard. A little yard. Now, like now there's just, especially in Arizona here, we just have desert seriscaping. So nobody has to yard. <laughs> but I, that's problematic. If you just think that your child just doesn't know how to do hard things and you're telling them. That. And so I think this is, I mean, kind of going the full circle at the beginning, teenagers frustration is that adults don't listen to them. And if we have these misconceptions, these labels in our head about Gen Z and our kids and what they're like, and they're always like this and everybody's like that. And mm -hmm. this whole generation's like this, you know, be very careful to, you know, label an entire generation a certain way, because it's just simply not true. The other thing too, that I think is important to understand is it's hard being a teen. Yeah. Right? It's really hard. And I think, I think it's so easy for us to forget because it's been a long time ago. Yeah. And I think it's, but just trying to figure out what you want to do and where to put your time. And there's so much change happening inside and things like that. It's important that we, as the adults in their life, see and recognize the good in them. Cause literally like if your mom can't do it, if your dad can't do it, see the good in you, who's going to do it. That is literally our job description, yeah. right? To listen to be our kids, biggest cheerleaders, no matter what that looks like. And it can be really, really hard. And know this, it can be really, really hard, but that is really solely our job. And like any kids that interact, you know how much negative everybody's getting from everywhere. 
And when you're dealing with something so hard, like mental illness that cannot be seen with your eyes, right? And again, I'm just going to throw this out there again. We talk about this a lot, but if people are joining us for the first time, mental illness is a physical brain illness. There's actual brain scans inside your brain where your connections are not happening. And so if you put a scan of a healthy brain next to a scan of an unhealthy brain, (laughs) you see um, in the brain scan, like all the areas that are working are all lit up and brightly colored. And somebody who lives with depression and other mental illnesses, like there are whole segments of the brain that are not, um, that are not working right. So that's like, no wonder you're impaired a little bit in like just getting through life and in trying to take care of things and trying to do things because your brain's operating at 50% capacity. And that's what uh, antidepressants do. That's what medications do is they help your brain to communicate and function so that you can function properly. Yeah. Like imagine if you had a broken leg and everyone's like, why can't you just go play soccer? Like the rest of the kids, <laughs> you know, in this day and age, they probably, you know, be sued and reported to child protective services, but we do the same thing mentally with our kids especially when you're living with significant mental illnesses. And a lot of these symptoms are so hard and you can't articulate and you can't see them with your eyeballs. doesn't mean they're not there because they're physical and they're real. They're just hidden inside the brain. So we need to make sure our kids are actually getting the help that they need and not us looking at them saying, I don't see anything. You're, you look fine. Like it hurts on the inside, hurts on the inside of my head. Okay. (laughs) So we just need to make sure we're doing that and seeing the good. And, you know, I think we always joke around about how hard we had you know, when yeah. I was growing up, we had to do this, we had to do this. I think what we don't understand and fully appreciate is how hard their life is in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think back on going to school, you went to school and, you know, you're, you're the social dynamic that happened at school and you got bullies and you got people that say mean things to you and you've got people you like and people you don't like and fights going on and all that sort of stuff in school. And then you'd come home and you'd basically unplug yeah. and you'd come home and be free from all of that for a while and can go play with your friends and go watch Dukes of Hazard or whatever <laughs> you watched. And then you go back to school the next day and then you're thrown back into the mix. And mm-hmm. then there's all the dynamics and there's all the, the clicks and the everything that you deal with in school. And I think now kids don't really ever unplug. Mm-hmm. It it's yeah. all follows them wherever they are. 24 seven. You go on vacation and you've, you know, people are texting and they're sharing things and you're figuring out what you're not included in and what other people are doing. It's just, I, I just think it's so hard um, in today's day and age. And I, we just have to appreciate it. We had things hard, but it was very different. Hard. Right. And Gen Z does very hard things and it's just different. And hard. we need to understand that it's not wrong. Just because it's different doesn't right. mean it's wrong. It's just different. There are a lot of different ways alternative ways to accomplish the same thing. Just like I I was having an interesting conversation with a friend of mine and um, her kids are heavily involved in sports. And she was just saying, oh my gosh, I feel like a failure because my kids don't know how to do their laundry and they don't know how to clean the house and they don't know how to like take care of the yard or the car or this and the other. So I don't know that they know how to do hard things. And I said, hey, time out. Like you've taught your kids how to do hard things through sports because they go to practices every day when they're not feeling good, when they don't want to, when they're tired, when they'd rather hang out with friends, like they've learned these skills of working hard when they're failing and they're not succeeding and they keep trying and practicing. They've learned these skills through sports. Like we 
we weren't as heavy into that. So like our kids learn those skills through these ways. It, but there are a lot of different ways to teach your kids the same skills. So it's really important that we don't look back and go, oh my gosh, my kid doesn't know how to plow in the field. Yeah. I don't either. I make it sound like I like wash my clothes in a tub when I was that old. <laughs> but whatever it is, like we can't look at our parents and say, oh my gosh, they don't understand this. They don't understand the the um principle of working hard and we can't look at our kids and say they also don't understand the principle of working hard right we all can understand the same principle through very different avenues of learning it so it's very important that we listen to our teens and understand they are learning skills they're just maybe through different avenues and we need to look at that with different eyes and listen to them when they're telling us that and the more we can look at things from their perspective and appreciate and not judge and be judgmental to be able to judge you like that. <laughs> the more empathy we can have and the more empathy we have the better listeners we're going to be when they do open up and that's the whole point you know let's have these conversations mm-hmm. apparently the youth are willing to have the conversations if we'll listen so our job is to learn to be better listeners and have those conversations that's how we help our teens have better mental health and wellness and True. also how we tell them we love them So thank you for joining us for the first video episode of the Thriving with Mental Illness podcast. And um, hopefully we'll figure out how to do it and look even better next time. Maybe we'll just like use filters. So we'll both have on makeup and hair done, even though we're in our pajamas, that'll look real nice on you. And then I will never have to get ready again. (laughs) So thank you for joining us today. If you have topics that you'd like to see covered, you can submit them on mentalillness.warrior on Instagram or on our website, mentalillnesswarrior.com. If you like the podcast, share it with a friend and rate it, but only if you rate it good. We don't want your bad ratings. (laughs) And remember, there are no topics to limits and no questions that are okay to ask. We will see you next time. See you next time.